I was thinking about that song as, as the people sing, holy. You know, that song really resonates with the book that we're in tonight. I don't know if you know it, but the book of Daniel is pointing to a king and his kingdom that's coming. I want to encourage you, those who know the Lord, when we worship the Lord, on this side, it's just practice. So I want to remind you to lift up your hands <laughs> unto the Lord. God has been so good and so faithful to all of us. I mean, he has done so much for all of us. He deserves our adoration, our praise and worship every day. I'm not a perfect man, neither are you. But there is one who is perfect. There is one who took our place on Calvary's cross that we may not have to bear the wrath of God. And that's Jesus Christ. The reason why we sing holy, 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 just as the angels will sing, is because Jesus fulfilled, satisfied the wrath of God. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The songs that we sing When we lift up our hands unto the Lord, we enter into the throne room of God where he is the uh, is in the audience and we are on the stage of display. God is looking in every heart, every thought, whether our minds drift or whether our mind is totally focused in adoration unto the Lord. I want to encourage you, brothers. When we come and even at home, when we worship the Lord and we block out everything and think about the love of God and how worthy he is. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our adoration. He's worthy of our lives to live unto him. I just want to encourage you guys before we jumped into the study, because God loves each and every one of us. I mean, when you think about. All the pain and all the frustration and all the letdowns that your, your dad or your parents or men have let us down throughout our lives. God is the only one that has always been there, faithful to help us, to comfort us, to guide us, to lead us. You know, all the times where you might have cried and you gotten frustrated because of whatever life has thrown at you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I mean, I have a lot of brothers. I have sisters, but I'm closer now to Jesus than I was when we were younger. Every day gets sweeter. Every day the Lord draws us to read his word, to grow in his word, to grow to what? To love him. God is doing a work in in our lives. 
He's drawing us to him to worship him in spirit and in truth. I know it's a study before the study, but I just wanted to encourage you, brothers, to grow in your love for the Lord because he loves you. He loves us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, O God, for your word. We thank you, O God, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. We ask, O God, that you would open your word to our hearts and mind to know your truth that you would have us to know tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would increase as we decrease. We need a word from you, O God, from our sponsor, Lord. You are the bread of life. We know, God, we need you. It's in you that we move and have our being. We can do nothing without you, O God. We need you in our lives. We need you today to lead us, to guide us, to minister to us, to touch us. Some are battered, some are bruised, some are confused, O God. You are not the author of confusion, Lord. Give us peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you for the brothering, the beloved of the Lord. Thank you for the church. Thank you that iron does sharpen iron. Sometimes we stray from your word. We stray from the path. But thanks be to God for your Holy Spirit that draws us to Jesus. Do a work in our lives tonight. We pray, oh God, that you change us from the inside out. We pray, Lord, that we leave this place not as we came. We need our cups filled. We need it overflowing. Someone needs Jesus Christ. Someone needs to repent of sin and receive the free gift of salvation. Not religion, but relationship, devotion to you daily. You are holy, Father. You call us to be holy, to be set apart. Set a flame of fire in our hearts, Lord. Purge out the sin, the secret sins of temptation and pornography and lust and procrastination. Help us, O God, to surrender all to you, Lord. It is in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you brought your Bibles, please turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read it and hopefully we'll get through it all, but I doubt it. But we're going to be led of the Lord tonight. And it reads in Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, when he carried, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Aspenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, 
but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and of whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those who of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Bels to Cesar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the, of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the, the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuch had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servant for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portions of the king delicacy. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in the matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, the features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away the portions of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding, understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the musicians and astrologers who were in all the realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. We come to chapter 1 of Daniel. I want to make a correction of one of the dates that I gave two weeks ago. And I'm not ashamed of it, uh, nor am I too proud to admit when I'm wrong. Some of you may recall that I stated 606 B.C. was when Daniel and his friends were hauled off to Babylon. Well, I was wrong. Many scholars believe the correct date was not 606 B.C., but 605 B.C. 
I have also come to this conclusion with further study on the year that 605 B.C. is more accurate, which leads us to tonight's study. For you note takers, hopefully you cover uh, we'll cover the entire chapter tonight. Tonight, I want to cover three points that hopefully will highlight the context of chapter one. If you guys write these down, remember them, uh, put them in your notes. Point number one, point number one, their deportation, their deportation. That's found in verses one through seven. Their deportations found in verses one through seven. Point number two, their determination, their determination found in verses eight through 16. Their determination found in verses eight through 16. And lastly, point number three, their destiny, their Destiny found in verses 17 through 21. So to recap, all three points, their deportation, their determination, and lastly, their destiny. Their destiny, which is their destination. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 20. But before we turn there, look at verse one, if you will, in Daniel. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And verse two says, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Everybody see that? Okay, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 24. 2 Kings chapter 24. All right. Here in chapter 24, as well as 25, here we see in this, these passages of Scripture, we see three, not one, not two, but three sieges that happened around the time of the Babylonian captivity. Here in chapter 24 of 2 Kings and chapter 25, we see three times that the Babylonian nation, they come and they surround the city walls of Jerusalem. Now, on three occasions, we see three kings who had rebelled against the king of Babylon. The reason why we're going over this and we're going to take our time with God's word is because 
It's upon line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, we will get an understanding of God's word in context. Everybody say amen. amen. So here in chapter 24 of 2 Kings chapter 24, we're going to see the first siege. And the king is Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim. I want to stop here to give you a little background for those who were not here. Those who were here, you will recall, Jehoiakim is one of the sons of Josiah, King Josiah. It was during King Josiah's reign that he, there was a great revival in the land where you had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, those who were faithful unto the Lord, the Levites who had came from the north to the south, and they began to worship the true and living God. It is during this time, King Josiah, a great revival happens, but we also see in the life of Josiah, you got to check the record for yourself in the Bible, Josiah, he leaves one day, there's a Pharaoh king, Nico, Pharaoh Nico, he, he's traveling through the land of Israel trying to go battle the Assyrians, I mean the, the Babylonians. And on his, the Assyrians, excuse me. And on his way, Babylonians, and on his way, he meets Josiah, King Josiah. Josiah confronts him and basically Pharaoh Nico, he tells him, paraphrasing, I have no business, no problem, no quarrel with you. So Josiah leaves his presence, or the delegates, and Josiah returns with an army disguised, and the Bible says, and random arrow shoots and strikes Josiah. He gets hauled off in a carriage, and he dies. Well, what Josiah did not know, but Pharaoh Necho told him that Yahweh, the God of Israel, had sent him to go battle. So we see in the life of Josiah, he had great revival, but we also see in the life of Josiah, he went outside of God's will and his life gets cut short. That's the background. Josiah's youngest son, he gets appointed by the people, Pharaoh Nego hauls him off to Egypt. And Pharaoh Nico appoints Jehoiakim, who's a puppeteer, to reign, who's also a son of Josiah. In the midst of all this drama that's festering, that's going on, the Egyptians, they come to a battle. They come to and the aid of the Assyrians who battles the Neo-Persian, uh, I mean, Babylonian Empire, the Babylonians. They lose the battle at Carchemish. The Babylonians begin to take power over the region of Syria and Israel. So that's the historical, outside the Bible uh, history, what's going on. So we come to 2 Kings, which Jehoiakim is a vassal king, a puppeteer that was set up by the previous uh, administration, the Egyptians. 
But now he rebels against the current administrations, which is the Babylonians. Look at your Bible. Let's look at verse uh, one through four. In the days of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon came up and Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. Against who? Nebuchadnezzar. And the Lord sent against him raiding bands of the Chaldeans, bands of Syrians, bands of Moabites, bands of the people of Ammon. Ammon. He sent them against Judah to destroy it according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servant, the prophets. Surely at the commandment of the Lord, this came upon Judah to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done, verse four, and also because of the innocent blood that he had shed, for he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. Verse five. Now, the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim rested with his fathers and then Jehoiakim, his son, reigned in his place. So we see the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, come and surrounds Jerusalem. And he hauls off Jehoiakim and he dies. Now the second siege takes place. Jehoiakim sounds similar to Jehoiakim. But Jehoiakim is spelled, ends with an N. This is the sun. Um, I gave you guys a little uh, cheat sheet. Just like the alphabet, there's an M and an N. N comes after M, the letter M. So the son, Jehoiakim, comes after the, son, the father, which is Jehoiakim. Okay? So now look at 2 Kings chapter 24. Look at verse 8 through 15. Look at what it says. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he, he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother's name was Nehusta, the daughter of El Nathan of Jerusalem. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father had done. So Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim, they were evil kings. And at the time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem and the city was besieged. Everybody see that? So this is the second siege of Babylon. Then Jehoiakim, king of Judah, his mother and his servant, his princesses, princes, and the officers went out to the king of Babylon. And the king of Babylon, in the eighth year of his reign, took him prisoner. You guys see that? So he get hauled off. He get hauled off. Verse 13. And he carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And he cut in pieces all the articles of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord. And as the Lord has said, also he carried away into captivity all Jerusalem, all the captains and all the mighty men of valor, 
10,000 10, captives. You guys see that? And all the craftsmen and smiths, none remained except the poorest people of the land. You guys see that? All right. And then verse 15, and he carried away, carried Jehoiakim captive to where? Babylon. So that's the sec second siege. Third siege. Third king, Zedekiah. Let's look at same chapter, verse 17 through 20. Then the king of Babylon made uh, Mataniah, uh, Jeconiah's uncle, king in his place and changed his name to Zedekiah. You see that? So Zedekiah's name, his Hebrew name is, is what? Methaniah. So Methaniah and Zedekiah, same person. You guys see that? Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. He also did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all Jehoiakim had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, this happened to Jerusalem and Judah, that he finally cast them out from his presence. Then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. Let's go to chapter 25, verse 1 through 7. We keep reading. Now it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month of the tenth day, of the month that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came against Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem and encamped against it, and they built a siege wall against it all around. You guys see that? This is the third siege right there. Uh, where am I at? Verse 2. So the city was besieged until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. By the ninth day, on the fourth month, the famine had be, be, become so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Verse 4. Then the city wall was broken down through all the men of war, fled at night by way of the gate between two walls, which was by the king's garden. Even through the Chaldeans were still encamped round about against the city, the king went by way of the plain. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king, and they overtook him in the plains of Jericho. All his army was scattered from him. This is Zedekiah. So they took the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and they pronounced judgment on him. Then they killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes, put out the eyes of Zedekiah, bound him with uh, bronze fetters and took him to Babylon. Everybody see that? All right. Now, Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Now, Zer Jeremiah was the prophet that was left in the land that prophesied and he ministered to the poor people that were left in the land during the second siege and, and so forth. Now, Ezekiel and Daniel and the royal line, let's go back to Daniel chapter one. They got hauled off in the first siege. Everybody with me? All right. Now, when they got hauled off, 
Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they warned the kings, all three kings of God's judgment. They warned them. But every time false prophets would get in the ears of these kings, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah, and they listened to them, and thus they rebelled against the servant of the Lord, who was King Nebuchadnezzar. And so what happened was, every time the Babylonians would seize the city, in the third and final time, that's when the walls came tumbling down. Everybody see the picture? So, let's go back to Daniel chapter 1. I'm setting it up. So I'm, there's a reason why we're going through this. In verse 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So this is the first siege. The reason why it's here is because Daniel is writing the book of Daniel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this is the actual time in 605 B.C. that Daniel gets hauled off to Babylon. Daniel gets hauled off and Ezekiel gets hauled off to Babylon. Now, it says in verse 2, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of his God. I know we read fast sometimes. The reason why I'm, I'm covering this is because it was on the second siege that we see that all the articles, all the gold, all the temple got ransacked. Didn't you guys see that in 2 Kings? The reason why I bring that up is because it's very important for us to always cross-reference the Bible. The Bible interprets itself. We don't even need a commentary. We see it all clearly in the Bible. We just need to reference and go back with the help of the Lord so we can see the big picture, the broad picture. Now, it was on the second siege that all of the temple was ransacked and destroyed. But it was the third siege that the walls came tumbling down. Why is that? Why is that? That's a good question. I heard you ask it. The reason why is because King Nebuchadnezzar got tired of them rebelling. That's the simple answer. And it was the Lord's will. I told you we may not get through all of this, right? Didn't I tell you that? All right. <laughs> Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter, uh, I believe it's 12. I might be wrong, so give me, give me one second. Give me one second. And I might have to look it up because I wrote it down, but I don't think I put the right chapter in my Bible. Give me one second. Lord, help me. Give me one second. Yeah, there it is. Thank you, Lord. Ezekiel chapter 12, right there. Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 12 through 13. I wrote down the verse, but not the chapter. 
Now, it says, uh, let's start at verse 8. And in the morning, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, What are you, you doing? Say to them, Thus said the Lord God, This burden concerning the prince of Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are among them. Say, I am assigned to you as I have done. So it shall be done to them. They shall be carried away into captivity. He's talking about Babylonian captivity right here. And the prince who is among them shall bear his belongings on his shoulders at twilight and go out. And they shall dig through the wall to carry them out through it. Notice they're going to dig through the wall. So this is talking about the third siege because the walls came tumbling down. Here we go. He shall cover his faith so that he cannot see the ground with his eyes. I will also spread my net over him and he shall be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon to the land of the Chaldeans. Yet he shall not see it, though he shall die there. Everybody see it? So Zedekiah, his eyes, we read about it in, in chapter 25 of 2 Kings. His eyes were put out. His, his sons were killed, murdered in front of him. His eyes were put out, but he was hauled off. And, and Ezekiel from Babylon, he prophesies about what's going to happen to this prince who is King Zedekiah. Why did I say all this? God's word is so awesome. Ezekiel prophesies about something that had not taken place. The reason why I bring all this up is because if you don't get anything out tonight's study, God's word is true. Amen. God's word is true and God's word is right. When you, when you think about Daniel, uh, you, can all, you can close your Bibles. When you think about Daniel, and how God, he snatches him or takes him to Babylon. It is his will for Daniel's life. I'm going to stop here parenthetically. When we go through chapter one of Daniel, I wanted to share it. I'm going to share what I want to share with you tonight. We see in the life of Daniel, his devotion to the Lord. He's devoted to the Lord. And thus, his devotion dictates his duty unto the Lord. That's why Daniel, as he gets deported, he what? He's determined. He has a, he's resolute. He has a, he's resolved in his mind. He made up in his mind, no matter where he is, no matter his name change, no matter what's going on in his life, he's going to be truly devoted unto the Lord. Now, here's the challenge for us. Here's the application for us. We live in a life. We live in a day, an age. We live in a sort of Babylon, Babylon place. We live in a place that's filled with idolatry. People change their names. They change their identity. But the church should never change. We see in the life of Daniel, who's a prime example, a young man, although his Name is changed, although he's hauled off, the Lord is leading him. I challenge us tonight to look in the life of Daniel, to read the story of Daniel, read chapter one. 
We see so much, so many nuggets in the life of Daniel. But one thing that stands out that's prevalent, God was leading Daniel. How many of us are willing to let the Lord lead us? We should let the Lord lead us in our actions. Many of our duties that we do every day do not depict our devotion that we should have unto the Lord. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? You can close your Bibles. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? How much do we love the Lord? How much do you love the Lord? How much do I love the Lord? Our love for the Lord will show up in our duty unto the Lord. I want to challenge you, if you have not already, if you haven't read your Bible today, read your Bible today. This Bible study tonight is not your devotion unto the Lord. It does not count. Amen. So if you haven't read the Bible today in your devotional time, I encourage you tonight when you go home, read the word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, O God, for your love for us. We thank you for Jesus Christ who died, was buried, and rose from the dead. As we journey through the book of Daniel, thank you, O God, for setting the stage that it was through your will that you used Nebuchadnezzar to testize your, your people because of their disobedience. There are so many warnings that are gone out today through plenty of pastors and teachers of your word throughout this world. We pray, O oh God, that your word does not fall on deaf ears. There are so many warnings that Ezekiel and Jeremiah gave to these kings, but they failed to hear the word of God. I pray, O oh God, that you would help us to be not only hearers of the word, but doers also, lest we deceive ourselves. Help us on tonight. Rekindle the fire, the love for you, Father. Our devotional life. Help us to be sold out for Christ. To repent of sin. To deny ourselves. Take up our cross and follow Jesus. Help us to be devoted in heart, in mind. To first seek the kingdom of God and all your righteousness. To love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. To love our neighbors as ourselves. We pray, oh God, that you would help us to go deeper in and have a closer walk. It is in Jesus' name we pray for his namesake. And all of God's children say, Amen. Amen.